Okay, so we are starting a new series tonight called Changes um, because it is May and you're coming up on the end of school, which means you're coming up on some major life changes, some of you more major than others. Uh, some of you will be going to a new school, uh, like a, an actual high school instead of a freshman building. Some of you will be going on to college or to work. Some of you will uh, be continuing adult life, but whatever. Um, and you will all have different... Uh, changes coming up. And so one of the things, and this is a stupid saying that a lot of people say because it's true, uh, the only thing in life that is consistent is that there are changes. So I want to talk this month about different things and how to deal with them. And so this week we're going to talk about kind of how to prepare for the unexpected, which seems impossible, but it's kind of possible. And so I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. Uh, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as a king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Uh, so Samuel did as the Lord in in instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So a bunch of people in this story are going to go through changes. We're going to start with Samuel. Uh, Samuel was a servant of the Lord and a servant of the king. Like that was kind of his role as prophet. He had to serve the king. King Saul had been made king because he was a very godly man and he was somebody who was a good leader and somebody who cared about other people and had what it took to be a king. And over time, he really started to believe that in the term, in the sense that he really thought everybody should listen to him. And so instead of, I'm the king and above me is God, it slowly became, well, I'm kind of equal to God. And then it was like, I'm where the buck stops, like everything's about me. And so he got really cocky and really angry. Um, there are theories, and if you really read through his history and everything, there are theories that he had uh, PTSD, and so that kind of led to some of it, but most of it was a high ego and pride and all of this, and so he was the king, and he was a very dangerous guy, and so you see that like Jesse and the people came out, not even knowing what Samuel was there for, uh, they were terrified, because they thought he was going to say something like, the king's raised taxes, or the king wants to sacrifice one of your sons, like anything was possible. Um, he, he was that kind of out there, and that kind of messed up, and that vindictive and angry and all of these things after starting so good. And so Samuel knew that he was uh, serving the king. And so to him, the office of king is what mattered more than the person there. Now he cared about their character and he wanted them to be good, but he was respectful to the office. Sometimes you hear, pe hear people say that about president. Very few people actually mean it, but it's like the office is what matters, blah, blah, blah. But for Samuel, he really truly believed that. He really thought the king is it. God appointed the king. So even if I disagree with him, even if he's a bad guy, even if he's doing all this bad stuff, I have to trust that it's right. And now God is saying, hey, there is going to be a big change. There's going to be a new king. And so that shatters Samuel because he didn't expect it. Because usually the king changes when he dies and then he passes it on to his kid. And that's kind of how it goes. Um, I think this weekend King Charles just took the throne because his mom died. And he's like the oldest person to ever take the throne or something like that. I don't really super care about the royal family because um, we actually won the Revolutionary War, but um, it's still something that happens and people pay attention to it. Uh, and so you see how that goes. Like that's the line of succession. And so King Saul was expected that. And so Samuel expected that. And so now he's being told, 
this change that you never expected, you have to go take a part in. And he's like, he's going to kill me. Like, literally, he's going to kill me. And God's like, I've got you. And so the change, even though it was unexpected, God obviously knew what it was. So one of the things that you'll hear sometimes is hope for the best and plan for the worst. And while that's not technically biblical, it's the best way to try to go about life. Because you're never going to be, no, be able to know everything that's going to happen. Uh, sometimes you're going to super plan on going to this one school. And you're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to become a doctor or a nurse or a professional baseball player. But I'm going to go to this school and I'm going to, to really try hard and, and get all my community service hours and, and get my grades up and, and extracurriculars and blah, blah, blah. And so you do everything. But then that year, it just so happens that they only take a certain number of people from your area or, uh, or your demographic or whatever. And so it's like, man, we're sorry, but you're on the wait list. And all of a sudden you're shattered. And it's like, what do I do now? This was my entire plan. Uh, now, you can't go through your life assuming that that's going to happen. You still have to hope for the best, and you try for the best, and you're shooting for your dreams. But you also have to prepare to, to have other possibilities. And that's not selling yourself short. It's not having multiple dreams necessarily. But it's like, okay, this is my dream school, but I'm also going to look into all of these other schools that maybe have what I want. Or this is my dream career, but I'm also going to try to figure out what else I like, what else matters. This is, this is uh, my dream place. When I was a kid... Um, they used to have this thing called MASH, and it was like this piece of paper, and you wrote M-A-S-H at the top, mansion, apartment, shack, and house, and then you did all these other things, and it was like the names of boys you like or girls you like, and like cars and jobs and everything, and then you did this little spinny thing, uh, and it was actually kind of fun and, and weird, but it's something that most of you guys apparently know. And so like, if you plan your life based on that, that's kind of messed up, but you can see like when you're coming up with the things, usually you come up with something like jobs, like four things that you kind of want. And that's what you do in life. It's kind of like a giant mash game, although less random in some ways, more random in other ways. But the point is, you still dream, and you still have big plans, and you still try everything you can to get to your ultimate goal. But you work on having some other things as a backup plan. And that doesn't mean that the ultimate goal will never happen. Um, in terms of king... Samuel's ultimate goal was for the king to be a godly man. Now, he thought that meant that Saul had to come back to being godly. He thought that meant he had to really help Saul be a better person, and he was hoping for that and praying for that. But it turns out that the actual thing that was going to happen is a new godly king was going to take over for Saul. And so it's a different dream, but it's also kind of the same, and Samuel still has a role in it, and so he has to shift all of a sudden. So we're going to go to the next part. Um, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elijah, Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's uh, anointed. That is the oldest son of Jesse. Uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned uh, Shemaiah, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all of the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching, watching the sheep and goats. So Jesse, once Samuel told him what's up, he's like, hey, one of your sons is going to be, be the king. And so Jesse is immediately like, okay, well, it's got to be one of my sons. It's not that he didn't care about David, but he just never considered because David was basically a kid then. Like he was probably 12, 13, maybe 14, somewhere in that range. Like he was a kid. 
And so uh, he's like, he's, he's short and he's, he's athletic. Yeah, but he's our shepherd and he's just the youngest. Like he's not what God wants. God always wants the, the biggest and the best and the most athletic and the seven footer and the person with the most reach and whatever. And, uh, and so Jesse is like, okay, well, here are my sons. And he, it's not, again, it's not that he doesn't like David. It's not that he doesn't think he'd be a good, do a good job. It's that he doesn't even consider it as something that could happen. And so sometimes that's what happens with us. Like we judge things by their appearances. We judge books by their covers. We think, well, I could never do this because uh, I'm just not good at that or I'm, I'm just not able to do that or it's just not something that's good. Uh, Cooper earlier was interviewing me for a project, I hope, and so it was about my life and about why I was a pastor. And so it's a very long story, and I'm not going to tell all of it, but basically I started my entire life, like as a kid going up through high school, uh, thinking I was going to be a doctor. And a lot of that was my great-grandma said I was going to be a doctor, and so I worked really hard. I got good grades, and I was going to be a doctor. And then senior year, uh, in English class, I had this awesome teacher, and I did this awesome assignment that was about writing a story. I wrote a story. It eventually became my book, which is available on Amazon.com, as I've said before. And um, all you have to do is search my full name. But uh, it's, I wanted to be, I'm like, I want to do English. Like, I want to do something with English. And I had no idea what that meant, but I was like, I'm going to go to college for English. And so I went, and I was like, I'm going to be an English teacher. And so my first semester of class, it's all about public speaking and all about teaching, because shockingly, that's apparently what you have to do in teaching. And I was like, I can't stand in front of people and talk. Like, I'm scared to death of this. I, I, I hate doing that. Like, it's awful. And so again, what I thought I could accomplish, I was judging by appearances on by what I thought I could do. And so I'm like, I can't do this. And so I switched to English, and I minored in political science, and I had all of these different options and things I wanted to do. And... Uh, I went on to grad, I worked for the government for a while on a secret project, and then I went on to uh, grad school for creative writing, and then I was a reporter. And all the time, it never felt right, but I kept doing these other things, because to me, it's like, well, I write, and so this makes sense. Reporting makes sense. Or um, I like politics, or I did at the time, so I'll go into government, and et cetera. And like, it's like, I, I'll find something in this realm. But I still felt called into ministry, but I had no idea what that meant. And so... Uh, I also was like, I couldn't even stand in front of a class. There's no way I could stand in front of a church. And so eventually I finally gave in, and I'm like, okay, God, I'll try this. And so I became a youth worker. And um, I just kind of was the type of person who stood in the back and was just there and a volunteer and et cetera. I never talked, and then somebody asked me if I could teach. I helped teach, and then somebody's like, hey, I'm not going to be here this week. Can you, you speak for me in youth and et cetera? And it kept going up, and it kept amping up. And eventually I had to preach in front of the church, and it was insane. And I'm like, I can't do this, because appearances, like, I'm terrified, and, and I'm anxious, and I have all of these issues, mental health-wise, and it's just not going to work. And then it kind of worked, and I have different opinions of myself than other people do, but it's something that I obviously do all of the time now. And so again, in appearances, it's kind of like my life was all of Jesse's sons. Like, I'm like, okay, I can do this, because I know how to do this. And, and meanwhile, God's like, hey dream big. And again, all of these other things could have happened and all of these other things were choices, but I had to keep going and I had to keep trying and I had to keep seeing what I could do because whatever you think you can do right now, you're capable of more than that. Like you may have something that's an expert uh, field right now and that's awesome. Like if you're just amazing in science or you're amazing in math or, or uh, you're amazing in gym or something, then yeah, maybe that's your field and you're going to find that you keep going and you're like, oh, this really feels right and maybe that's it. But maybe you're kind of good in a lot of things, but you're just like, I, I, I couldn't teach, or I, I couldn't write, or I can't speak, I can't uh, be a research assistant, I can't play this, I can't do this, I can't whatever, and you have all of these can'ts. 
when in fact anything is possible. Now, again, as I've said before, that doesn't mean that just because you want to, say, be in a starting NBA center that you're going to be a starting NBA center because you're going to have to be about 6'10 or so. Um, it's possible to be shorter, but it, it's likely. And so there are things that won't happen, but we hold ourselves to such a low level sometimes and we just start deciding, well, this is what my path is going to be. And I could have pushed through and just become a doctor and it would have been okay. Like, I, I'm sure it would have been fine. I probably wouldn't have lost a ton of patients, but it would have been okay. And whatever happened, like, it would have been something, but it wouldn't have been what I do now. Um, and so it wouldn't have been uh, as impactful. Uh, something would have happened. Somebody would have been standing here, etc. But it's like I had to believe in him more than I believe in me, and that's what's happening here. And that's how changes work. That's what, what is going to happen in your life. Whatever it is you want to do right now, maybe that's it. But also, you may be holding yourself to a lower level than you can actually do. And you're like, well, nobody thinks I can do this, so I can't do this. So I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to go, and, and I'm going to work at, at whatever, at uh, a target. And that's my ultimate goal. I'm going to major in business. I'm going to major in marketing or whatever, and that's what I'm going to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe you can do more or something bigger or something uh, more impressive. And I just realized what I said about Target, but that's not what I mean. It's like, ultimately, uh, you might have more. And so maybe you also have this dream of, say, inventing something. Or maybe you have this dream of uh, being a professional volleyball player or in the Olympics. Or maybe you have this dream of coaching the U.S. soccer team. Or maybe you have this dream of doing something else. I'm struggling to think of things that people want to do. But it's like, if you hold yourself to this, what everybody thinks you can do, that's what you're going to do. Like, if you have the line really low, you're going to hit it. You're going to make the line. You're going to make the, the bar, whatever it is. But if you keep reaching and you keep planning and you keep hoping, then, yeah, maybe it won't happen. But you keep trying, and then you have backup plans, and you have goals. Last part. Um, Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. Uh, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one anoint him. So uh, as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So David was the least expected person. But if you talk to anyone in Israel or anyone who is Jewish, they will say David has been their greatest king. Now, David had a lot of problems as king. And he messed up. And he also got egotistical. And he essentially murdered somebody and committed adultery and lied and all this stuff. But he still kept going. And he still kept trying. And he believed in himself. He fought Goliath, all of these things. But nobody else did, especially at this point. But he kept trying. So the last part of this is basically like whatever your plans are, maybe everybody else in your life is like, you can't do that. Like, you're never going to succeed in that. Who cares what they say? Like, you are the one who has to live your life. And so if you have to uh, be the only one that believes in you, then you keep going and you keep trying and you keep growing just like David did, just like Samuel did. Um, and so it's, it's basically saying God does believe in you. And, and he has a plan for you, and he has a, an individual plan for you, and he loves you individually. And so something is in your life. And so keep making goals, making dreams, trying everything you can, and then figure out where you fit. And, you know, if you don't get the exact mark of what you always wanted to be, but it turns out to be what you always were supposed to be, or something that means even more to you, then yeah, you're going to find that. A lot of people change their majors in college. A lot of people think a lot of different things as they grow. Um, I, as I said got a 
an undergrad degree and a graduate degree in different things that I do now, which was very fiscally responsible. But it also is something that comes back and I use it in different ways. So just because you try something and then it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean it's never going to matter because all of that stuff makes up who you are and all of that stuff keeps going forward. So when you get faced with something that's a change and it's unexpected and it's maybe something that you don't think uh, was a good change, yeah, maybe it was a mess up, or maybe it does hurt, or maybe it does kind of set you back, but it isn't the end, because as long as you're alive, there's hope, and you keep going, and you can learn from that, you can grow from that, you can keep going forward, because you always have a chance to make whatever it is that you want to make, to do whatever it is you want to do, as long as you believe in him, and you believe in yourself, and you just keep trying. That's all I got.